Welcome to the podcast of Revival Life Church, a spirit-filled multicultural church in Boca Raton, Florida. If you would like more information about Revival Life Church or Pastor Carl Thomas, you can find us on the web at revivallife.church. Hallelujah. <clears throat> Hallelujah. All right. What am I going to say here? How am I starting this? <clears throat> All right, let's see what happens. You ready, Suana? Hallelujah. Hey, what's going on, Revive Life Church? Can you believe we're still doing this thing online? Can, can, you, can you believe it? Can you folks here in the studio audience believe it? No, no we can't believe it. But well, here we are. We are still... Have you, have you noticed numbers aren't going in the right direction? Has anybody noticed that? I, I have, and it's... Uh, <clears throat> We're number one. Florida's number one. Hallelujah. Hey, I don't know if you knew this or not, but Corey Pagano turned 30 yesterday. Come on, give Corey a, a round of applause, everyone, right now, if you would, please. Turned 30 years old. So awesome, like, that he's, I don't know, having birthdays. I don't know, but just 30's neat. I'm happy that he's still having birthdays. I'm sure his family is as well. Um, I just wanted to say happy birthday. He's such a blessing to this house. Um, go ahead in the chat right now. Give a what's up to Corey. Give him a thumbs up. Give him a big high five. Do whatever. Uh, he's getting older now. We love him. Hey, stick with me today, right? I'm Carl Thomas. I'm lead pastor here at Revival Life Church. I have a few things I think might be helpful today. I want to, I want to, I want to help you kind of discern the times that we're living in. Uh, and, and at the same time, I want to help you deal with difficult people. Right? So we're going to discern the times. I'm going to help you deal with difficult people. Get out your pen. Maybe, you know, take some notes on your phone. We're going to dive into it. Right? I'm not going to be long today, uh, but I am going to share the Word of God as He's placed it on my heart and a little bit of Carl, too. I'm going to be honest with you. So we're starting a new message series today. Love God. Love others. Prove it. Love God. Love others. Prove it. Corey talked last week. Just what a phenomenal word he gave last week. Uh, just really, really blessed my heart. Um, talked about how what we believe should really affect what we do. You know, as, as the apostle said, faith without works is dead. So too, in this day and age, we could say that we really prove our faith every day. What we really believe manifests in what we do. And, uh, you know, this is 4th of July weekend. Um, we're not doing a 4th of July thing here because our kingdom has been free from eternity, right? Like we, our kingdom is not celebrating independence. It's never been in bondage, right? Our kingdom has always been the authority over heaven and earth, even if people don't recognize it. But what I hear people speaking about these days, when they call it freedom, uh, a lot of times what I'm hearing about this freedom that people are calling their Christian freedom is really kind of unholy. And it's really not Christian. What, what, what I'm hearing is a whole different beast. And as the church of Jesus Christ, see, I don't have authority over politicians. I don't have authority over you and your family. I don't have authority over my neighbors. I have authority in the church. See, I'm, I'm a preacher. Um, I'm an ordained minister in the church of Jesus Christ. So my authority is right here in the church. So I can't 
with authority speak about what's happening in our government. I can speak as a citizen uh, personally, but my authority is here in the church. And what I'm hearing in the church about freedom does not match what I'm reading in the scriptures. And the problem with bad theology is when you get bad theology, when you believe the wrong thing about God, it affects how you live. When you expect something from God that he never promised, when you put a requirement on God that he never said he would meet. Let me tell you what's really dangerous. If I could just, just be honest here for a second. I feel led to kind of share this. Lillian gave this prophetic song, song from the Lord, about her seeing the darkness and Jesus coming and rescuing us from it. Now, what happens when you think the darkness is light? How does Jesus rescue you? You embrace the darkness. So we, as the church, have to be able to discern light from darkness. We have to be able to discern the truth from the lie. And, and I'm here to tell you the only truth, the only place that you're going to get unfiltered truth is the Word of God. You're not going to get it from the Constitution. We're not going to get it from politicians. We're not going to get it from businessmen and businesswomen. We're not going to get it anywhere other than from the written and sp spoken Word of God, by the Spirit of God. That's the only place we're getting truth. And when the church starts misidentifying what God is doing, then there's no hope for the world. We need the church to stand in truth more than anybody. Amen. And what I'm hearing these days, people calling freedom, it's not freedom at all, it's anarchy. Now, it's kind of cool to talk about anarchy. Uh, when I was young, anarchy was kind of a big deal. With the kids, they'd say they like anarchy, but anarchy is not just the absence of authority. If you were to look up the word, anarchy is either the absence of authority or the non-recognition of authority. If you don't recognize authorities, then you're embracing anarchy. It's the same thing as if you, as if there was no authority. And we understand this as Christians that... <clears throat> Jesus Christ died on the cross for everyone, but for those who don't come under that authority, there's no, there's no salvation, right? We know Jesus died for everyone. Everyone, everyone, everyone has the capacity to be completely and totally made right with God, but they have to recognize the authority that Jesus Christ has to forgive sins. If you don't recognize that authority, then you have spiritual anarchy. And what I'm hearing people call freedom now, they're really just advocating Anarchy. And, and biblically, this is called rebellion. It's rebellion to the ways of God. To not recognize authority is rebellion to the ways of God. When you start, let me, let me, I love, I love people more than I ever have. And I care about you. And as your shepherd, I sometimes have to say some things that make me uncomfortable. Now, that's a shock to some of you that I get uncomfortable sometimes, uh, but I do. And I've not enjoyed the level of uncomfortable things I've had to say in this season. But I've just heard such craziness. As a shepherd, I have to, I have to say some things. If you have more faith in conspiracies than you do in the authorities, there's something wrong in the filtering system. Something in your soul is fearful and is embracing these shadow truths. You can trust God. You can trust God. You can trust God 
that a couple thousand years of medical practice has not produced conspiracies. A couple thousand years of doctors has not produced a coalition of people trying to oppress you. This is a lie that is clouding out the clear wisdom that God is bringing forth in this age. You, you, you have to be brave and trust people. You cannot be your own authority and reject every authority in the earth. I personally would not want to live in a high-rise building that did not recognize the authority of civil engineers, mechanical engineers, architects, right? They have those in, uh, in Mexico, and every time there's an earthquake, the buildings fall down. We're fortunate that we lived in an industrialized country that has respected several thousand years of engineering history. We don't come into a new generation and say, well, let's just try it all completely differently because I believe that's a conspiracy. No, that's how buildings fall down, right? We collectively build upon one another. Theologically, we build upon what theologians have been saying for a couple thousand years. We don't just come up with our own ideas and call them truth. There's a saying that I've embraced that says, your new revelation is just old heresy, right? And, and, and when people get this new radical idea about God that nobody's ever seen before, chances are it's a heresy. It's just not true. There aren't that many original thoughts about God happening. I believe in revelation. I believe that God who reveals himself today is the God who's been revealing himself for thousands of years. Yeah. He didn't change when you got the Holy Ghost, right? So, so in this day and season, we're seeing just this rebellion being embraced by the church, and it's so painful for me to watch. So many even... Hallelujah. Um, well, I'm halfway there. I might as well just go in. Even pastors that I've historically respected, I'm watching them as if they have some special revelation above people who like went to college for medicine. I'm like, hello, like, hello, if, hallelujah. T today, <laughs> the last records I have, July 2nd, Florida had 10,000 cases of coronavirus. One day, come up positive. Now, I don't know if you know this, but I have several friends who need a coronavirus test, and it takes, like, they can't get a test for seven days, and you're not going to get the results back for seven days. That means we're literally at a 14-day lag. And we had 10,000 cases of the people who actually bothered to get a test today. I, I don't know what to tell these pastors who think this is like some sort of hoax. Like, where has the deception come from? Now, we can have an honest debate about what coronavirus does. We know if you're young, it's not nearly as harmful, by and large, if you're older, right? Like, Corey Pagano has young children. If they were to get it, it's possible we would never even know it. If Corey got it, who just turned 30, he may get sick, could be bad, could be asymptomatic. If I get it, I need to watch out because I'm over 30. And if my mom gets it, the statistics are bad, right? And so it's super important. We can't deny the truth as believers. We are not quarantining because we're scared of coronavirus. We are quarantining because if 
I catch it asymptomatically and I give it to my mother, it's possible that she's going to be on a ventilator. It's a high probability. You're like, don't confess that, pastor. I don't know what to tell you. 127,000 deaths say that. And all the faith in America hasn't changed that. I believe in healing. But as my friend David Copeland just recently said, if you believe in healing, you know, if you have that much authority over coronavirus, let's see some verified healings with medical records. Come on. I'm, what I'm saying is, and I'm getting worked up here, like we have embraced rebellion and the church has not called it out. We've embraced lies and not called them lies. This is insanity. I never thought I would live in a day and an age where the church of Jesus Christ did not embrace the truth. It's an indictment on the church. It's crazy. The racial issues we're having, the church, it's the conversation I'm having these days are crazy. I'm like, we just, okay. Hallelujah. This isn't even a message, but I'm going to get there. Love God, love others. Prove it. Honey, pray me out of this hole I've just preached myself into <clears throat> in the days of Jesus. Now, got a question for you. Who walked the earth and had more authority than anybody? One guess. Anybody in the audience? Jesus is the answer. The living God. And when Jesus healed people, he didn't just say, hey, don't listen to anybody. You're healed. You don't need anybody to confirm it. By my word of faith. No, no, what did he say? Go to the temple and let them inspect you. Submit to the authorities who inspect these things for a living and listen to them. This is not complicated stuff. It's right here in the Bible. Let, let, me, let, me, let me tell you. <clears throat> the world needs Jesus. The world needs Jesus. They need the spirit of truth. This is like we've moved into crazy town. The world needs a spirit of truth here. I'm not trying to be a downer. I'm thankful that I have Jesus. I'm also thankful that I don't believe the lie that's going around these days. The world needs the real Jesus. They need the real, not Caesar worship. We don't need a, a, a cultural Savior. We don't need a financial. We need Jesus, the King of kings and Lord of lords, the God of heaven and earth who became flesh. This is who we need the church to embrace again today. This is where we desperately need to land in this day. Here's what Jesus said about himself. He said, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he's anointed me to preach the good news to the poor, proclaim release to the captives, recovery of sight to the blind, to set free, watch this, those who are oppressed. To set free those who are oppressed. Oppression, oppression that Jesus came to set us free from, it's being subject to being under unjust treatment or control. Being subject to unjust treatment or control. Jesus is in the justice. He's very much into justice. Telling people not to get other people sick is not oppression. Last I checked, that's what Jesus told us to do, right? And so this is not what, you know, oppression, what's super important that we get this right is <clears throat> the main target of Jesus' freedom is 
the devil's oppression through sin, right? No doubt. The oppression of sin from the devil kept people away from God. It sends them to a sinner's hell. It, bad life now, bad life later, just not so good. And Jesus came primarily to set us free from that. However, <clears throat> he also really, really disliked people who kept other people from the truth in the name of God. Really didn't like that. Only people Jesus was rude to were people who were keeping people from the truth in the name of God. This needs to be a fearful word for the church. Sin, of course, is falling short of the mark of God's holy standard. Religious oppression? Jesus really doesn't like religious oppression. Religious oppression can be people twisting the truth for their own benefit. And we're seeing a whole bunch of that today. And here, here's why we need to... Um, <clears throat> Here's why we got to get this right. Where there are oppressed people, Jesus is on their side. So you better recognize well who the oppressed people are. <clears throat> we, we want revival. Revival, I mean, it's in our name, right? Like, yeah. we want revival. People are like, man, does worship have to be that loud? Does it have to be that long? Can we just calm it down a little bit? Like, it's in the name, right? Like, it, it, I, it's not like false advertising. We didn't call ourselves come and be comfortable church, right? Like we, right? Like there's a flame in our logo, right? Like <clears throat> I, it's not, you know, I don't know what to tell you, right? <clears throat> <clears throat> Hallelujah. <sighs> Love you guys. I'm keeping it together here. <clears throat> Hallelujah. Watch this. Now, in 2 Corinthians, Paul said this, where the Spirit, now the Lord is Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. <clears throat> I just feel this prophetic anointing in the air. Let me just, I'm just going to have to talk here for a minute and come into a landing at some point. Is that right? Yeah. Uh, every generation wants revival. And every generation achieves some level of progress. <clears throat> and generally, the biggest hindrance to a generation's progress is the last generation. And here's what happens. If we look in the past, everybody can say, man, we really needed to change. We really needed to change. Wow. The Church of Jesus Christ really needed reformation. We really needed to change some things. Wow, in America, socially, some things really needed to change. But generally, when a generation gets to be about my age or older, they say, but we've gone far enough. Oh, oh yeah, we definitely needed to change back then, back when, <clears throat> you know, the priests and the Catholic Church or the Lutherans or whoever. But now, come on, this new generation, they're filling whatever insult they give for the next generation. Ah, they're not biblical enough. Ah, they don't believe in the old time religion. They don't. <clears throat> Socially, they'll say, wow, we really needed that progress in the 60s, but whoa, that's far enough now. And every generation says, no, actually, it's not far enough. And if you don't hear the cries of the oppressed saying, it's 
not far enough, you're going to be on the wrong side of God's line. You better recognize the next generation who didn't, who doesn't look at the scriptures through the older generation's lens. They're not looking at society through the old generation's lens. They're not looking through the economy. They're not looking at work. They're not looking at the things that the older generation marked as value. There's an interesting thing that's happening in the younger millennials and Gen Z. I don't even know what the generation after them is yet. Is, is, is it born yet? Do we know what the, what are they called after Gen Z? I don't know if they have a name. We'll just call them the JITs, right? Like we don't, I don't know what we call them, but they have a value for things that the older generations didn't. <clears throat> They're, the millennials, the fathers are about four times as active in their, their kids' lives than generations before them. And they say, hey, if I have to make a little less money, I'm all right with that. I want to raise my children. And they say, hey, I actually want a quality of life. I don't want to give my life to a company that's not even going to give me a retirement. I actually want quality of life. And so the older generation says, wow, they're so lazy. They don't have ambition. And they're like, no, no, no. They've seen what it's produced in older generations. And they're saying, I don't want that. But if you're not recognizing what the Spirit of the Lord is doing on a new generation that sees things differently, you're going to judge them and you're not going to be involved in what the Spirit of God is doing on the earth right now. The Holy Ghost is in the relationship, believe it or not. God revealed Himself as three in one. He revealed Himself in a communal relationship. And if you don't see that, then you won't understand what the younger generations value. And you don't see it in God. No, friend, when, we, when I hear people in the church screaming about our freedom, I feel like maybe they've missed where the Spirit of the Lord is. They've missed what God is doing in the earth right now. You know, we know all the gifts of the Spirit, you know, prophecy and words of knowledge and words of wisdom and healing and miracles, and we've seen all of them here and we want to see them more. We have to be looking at the fruit of the Spirit, though. The gifts of the Spirit moving through you should be producing the fruit of the Spirit, and the very first one that's listed by Paul is love. If it's not producing love, joy, and peace, then we might be operating in something other than the Spirit. We might be operating in striving, self-centeredness, self-promotion. Listen, Jesus did not set us free from sin so that we can be self-righteous. Jesus set us free from sin so we can love. This is why He set us free from sin, so we can fully love. This is why He did it. The commandments are about how not to sin. Grace is about how to love. It's about how to love. And if you're operating under the old paradigm, you're going to miss what God is doing. In the early church, they came up with some new Christian rules based on the old covenant rules. And they were having this argument, and this was really a huge turning point in the church. Do Christians have to submit to the old law to be sanctified? Do, they, do men have to get circumcised? And this was a huge argument. What does it mean to be a follower of God? Because historically, to be a follower of God meant that you were circumcised, that the women had the mikvahs and what, what do we do about these people? Because the Jews, they were never 
proselytize. They never brought in people. And they're trying to figure out, well, first of all, you share our God with those people. Now, if those people are going to be our people, don't they have to look like us? And so there was this argument. Can people who don't look like us be God's people? <clears throat> wow. I, I, I'm, I just feel the Spirit of God so strong in here. Listen, I just want to speak like if you've ever been a minority in a church or maybe you're a cultural minority, maybe say you came from Jamaica, even though you don't look like it, and uh, you came to the church and they had a different culture than you. I'm joking. There's a Jamaican woman here who's, I'm just, I like to tease in the middle of my message. But you know what it's like. If you know what it's like to be the only one of your kind or a minority of your kind, and you somehow, when you got saved, this is what I experienced. I thought I had to be the same mindset to be the same spirit. And if you felt like you had to give up part of your identity, not to take on the identity of Christ, but to take on the identity of the room, because that's the only way you fit in. And you thought to fit in with the room, what you had to do to fit in with God. I, I, I apologize that anybody consciously or unconsciously taught you that. Jesus of America. There's this thing going around. I'm just talking here and I'm going to finish up. I'm going to finish my point. But I'm going to finish up. There's like this popular thing that, you know, Jesus is not American. Yeah, he actually, Jesus is American because he's in me and I'm American. But he's also Mexican. He's also Canadian. He's also Kenyan. He's also Australian. He's also British. He, 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 he's Jamaican and Bahamian and Haitian. Jesus, in fact, is in every nation on the earth. In the Christ that we've experienced in North America since about the 1500s, is no more legitimate than the Christ they've experienced in Italy, in their culture, that they've experienced in Africa since the first apostles walked the earth. And their manifestation and their culture is very different than my culture, but it's no less Christian. Because we're all trying to emulate heaven. You don't have to look like the majority to be a Christ follower. We don't have to listen to the same music. Just don't listen to the filthiness, please. Just, por favor, just, just keep it clean if we could. Like some people just need to get like their playlist baptized, right? <laughs> Hallelujah. <clears throat> Shaba. But listen, we got to love God. We got to love people and we should prove it. Not by fitting in with everybody around us, but by fitting in by the conviction of Holy Spirit, by embracing truth. And I would almost say that as you go against the grain, you might even be more of a Christ follower. Here's what the world needs to see. Your active faith is the bridge between a broken world and a healing Savior. And like I said, in, in Galatians, there was, um, there was this argument about whether or not you had to fit in. And here's what Paul said in Galatians 5.1. He said, it was for freedom that Christ set us free. Therefore, keep standing firm. Do not be subject again to a yoke of slavery. It was for freedom that Christ set us free. And I'm hearing all kinds of people interpreting this through a very selfish mind frame. It was for freedom. That, yeah, Jesus came to set me free. Set you free from what? Let me show you here. Galatians 5.13, he answers the question. For you are called to freedom, brethren, only, watch this, do not 
turn your freedom into an opportunity for the flesh, but through love, watch this, serve. Through love, serve one another. Oh, oh, you're free? You're really free? You love God and now you're free? Well, it, prove it. Prove it. If you really are walking in freedom, then you will be living a life that serves other people. Not living a life that serves yourself. Prove it. Oh, I have freedom. Yes, you do have freedom to sin. Absolutely. No, it will not get you where you think it's going to take you. That's a hell-bound, humanistic worldview. And some people call it Christian. And it's not. You see, you were created for a purpose. And the enemy wants to destroy this purpose. Purpose. He wants to shift your focus off of love, off of serving onto yourself, to living for yourself. When life becomes about your accomplishments, your freedom, what you are allowed to do, you forget what Christ accomplished for you. This is all about Jesus, not about us. There's like, <clears throat> you know, one of the things I like to rail against are the crazy end times theories. And to hear some people talk about it like the Antichrist, like God is going to trick everybody with the wrong person and not let us know that there's an enemy out there. But I thought we have discerning of spirits. I thought the Holy Ghost of God is with us. Is my God of love going to trick us? Like, no, we don't have to be looking out for him tricking us. Scriptures are pretty clear <clears throat> on what people who aren't Christ followers are going to look like. Check this out. Second Corinthians, excuse me, Second Timothy chapter 3, starting in verse 1, he says this, Understand this, in the last days there will come times of difficulty. Oh, what is that going to look like? People will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, proud, arrogant, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, heartless, unappeasable, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not living good, treacherous, reckless, swollen with pride or conceit, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. Having the appearance of godliness, but denying its power. The greatest power that God has given us is the power of transforming our heart into one of love and serving. And watch what he tells us. Avoid such people. Avoid them. Avoid these people. Don't argue with them. Don't, in, don't get into social media battles with them. You don't even have to listen to them. The Bible says avoid them. Here's a popular saying, only God can judge me. Only God can tell me. <laughs> you know, people say that. People want to sin. That's who say that. Only God can tell me. Well, that's funny because when I, when, I, when I read the Bible, it's not exactly clear. Now, people confuse. It, just give me a couple minutes. I'm almost done, right? Don't get up. Don't stop, right? People confuse the difference between judgment and condemnation. Judgment is different than condemnation. Look at this. Romans chapter 8. Paul teaches us. There's now, therefore, no condemnation for those who are in Christ. Oh, there's no condemnation in Christ. Yeah, you know what that means? For the law of the spirit of life has set you free in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and death. There's no condemnation. 
Yeah, what does that mean? That doesn't mean you're not going to feel guilty about doing sin. That doesn't mean that people can't tell you what you're doing is sin. That means that no person has the power to send you to hell. Condemn you to hell. There's no condemnation in Christ Jesus. If you're in Christ Jesus, your future is decided. But, 1 Corinthians 2.15, the spiritual person judges all things, but is himself to be judged by no one. Now, I'm spiritual. I can look at you and say, that's sin. You can't condemn me. You're right, I can't condemn you. I can call you a sinner. And according to what Paul told Timothy, I can avoid you. Well, you can't judge me. No, actually, I'm supposed to. I, would I just let anybody in my life? I just listen to anybody? I just, oh, let's say you've never been to medical school, but you don't like facts. I guess I'll just listen to you. No, I need to judge between truth and a lie through self-ambition and people who are serving. If your life looks like you want to help people, you want to serve people, you want to lay down your life for people, I need to be able to judge that and say, maybe that's someone I want to follow. If you are a consumer, if you're a ravenous wolf, if you're someone who like just consumes other people's lives for your own benefit, I need to be able to judge that and say, uh-uh, I'm told to avoid you. I don't need that in my life. But what we see today is people have a desire for domination. They want earthly power. And there's nothing new under the sun. The psalmist said in Psalm 20, Now I know the Lord saves His anointed. He will answer him from his holy heaven with saving strength of his right hand. Some boast in chariots and some in horses. These are, these are um, articles of war. These are symbols of power. Some will brag about their power, but we brag in the name of the Lord our God. Jesus is my power. He is my strength. And so I just want to ask you today as I end my message here. Are you leaning on God or do you want to establish your own thing here? Is the Spirit of God dictating your truth or are you just letting bitterness or whatever? But hey, we have a school drive coming up. It, the information will be all over the place. You'll get it in social media, but you know, we want to get involved in this thing. We want to help people. Let me tell you a quick story, and uh, then, then we're going to uh, share the Lord's table. But I, um, I worked from home on Wednesday. And um, in my home office, just kind of working, doing whatever. And um, I was really thinking about this whole idea of freedom. Are we free from things? Are we free for things? What, what is this freedom about? I'm just kind of thinking about it sitting at home really chewing on this whole idea. And uh, late in the afternoon, my daughter needed to be taken somewhere at about five. Five, right? Five. Uh, a little before five. And, um, and I just started getting this thought in my head, I'm going to go work at the office. Now, I don't know about you, but I don't normally go to work at five. Not what I like to do. been working all day. I um, wanted to be home. I wanted to drop my daughter off and be home and eat dinner with my family. Uh, but I was like, yeah, I... I I need to go to the office. I felt compelled by an authority higher than myself that I needed to go to work. So here at the church, I said, well, hey, honey, I'm going to take Anastasia, drop her off, then I'm going to go to church. And, um, and uh, she's like, why thought you were working from home? I said, I thought I was too. But see, I've given my life to a higher power. And when he tells me to do something, I do it even when I don't know it's him. So I drop my daughter off and I come here to the church and sitting right outside of my door, there's a girl sitting on the ground crying. There's a man standing over her. 
She's crying. I don't know their relationship. So I'm like, hey, are you all right? And she's like crying. And the guy answers for her, right? I'm like, that's not cool, right? So I ask again, are you okay? And she looks at me and she goes, yeah. And then I come in my office and now I got like that weird thing. Like, do I go back out there? Is she being sex trafficked? You know where your mind goes. Like, she disappears. Is it on me that I didn't, you know, the Lord brought me here. And I'm like, just keep looking out the window. And there's the dude, you know, my little blinds. And I don't know what to do. And uh, I finally look out and he's not there. And I go out and she's there. And, and I began talking to her. And uh, as it turns out, she's not being sex trafficked. Bless the Lord, right? Uh, but she had just suffered like a, like a, her, where she works here locally, just closed. She has a son, knows there's no way she's going to get a job. She's at her last, she's at the end of a rope, and she's just crying. I was just like, man, I just, the Lord brought me here to help. Like, this is how much God cares about you. And she kind of thought I was joking, and she laughed. She's like, yeah, God is on my side. I'm like, actually, I was comfortable at home. He cares about you enough to get me to come here just so I could talk to you, man. Like, that's how important you are. And so I went through my phone, and if you got a text from me this week asking about, you know, if there's anybody from a call center is hiring, it was for this girl. And if you just keep her in prayer, that she would find a job. And I was just able to share with her the love of God. And, hey, that's, like, I lost an afternoon. Is that, like, did God violate my freedom? No, no, I gave up my freedom at the cross, man. Uh, like, I gave that up a long time ago. And Jesus rescued me so that I can love people. And so I want to like really just, hey, don't fall into this lie that's being taught to us. That Christ came to set us free so we can live selfish lives. It's just a lie. It's a lie. We're going to share the table of the Lord now. And I'm going to share with a friend of mine here. That thing's heavy. Don't break it. All right. Eli, why don't you grab that? Now, I'm going to, you, you may not know Eli here. Eli, I'm going to try to, whoa, whoa, I'm getting wild and crazy here. Hold on. Hold on, hold on one second. I'm going to move this right here. There you go. Put it right there. Eli is the, uh, the inventor of the Blackmagic camera. <laughs> He's not actually. Uh, but he does use black. He's been doing our videos for the last, how many weeks did we say it was? 14? It was 14. That? He's been doing our video the last 14 weeks, and I'm asking him to talk, but he's not on a microphone, so, you know. Uh, but this is how anointed our church is. While he's been here, he got engaged and will be married this week. That's just that fruitful anointing, that be fruitful and multiply anointing that's on this house. This time next year, they could have a child. And just want to put it out there, as I've told so many other people, you can be Carl or Carla. It goes both ways. <laughs> James or Jamie for a middle name. Either way, it works out. It works out either way. But we're going to share the Lord's table. And uh, anything you want to say without a microphone, by any chance? Here, I can lean in. You don't have to. Just say hi to the people. Hey, Revival Life. It's been fun, right? It was good. We've really enjoyed Eli here. We've had a good time. And we're going to share the Lord's table together here. You ready? Don't let them break anything over there, okay? She said, is it on? That's where we're at. Yeah, there's a red light. I see it. Aliana, you want to say anything? I'm good. She's good, apparently. I want you to come up and stand next to your, your fiance here. They're going to be married in eight days. 
This is fun for us. This is fun for us. Hurry, hurry, hurry. You're, the internet is waiting. The internet is waiting. She's not, this is not the freedom the Lord has set you free for. But hey, we love family. We're so happy for them. They're going to be married uh, next Friday. It's going to be live stream. They didn't invite me to the wedding. Um, I mean, I wouldn't have gone because it was too far, but I, you know. But on the, on the night that Jesus was uh, betrayed, wow, he got, wow, he got the bread. Ha, shakaba, we love you, Jesus. And his body was broken for us. And Father, we just pray over this, over this family, this family that will be coming, Father. We pray that you would be the broken bread for them, that you would always be their provision. Father, that, wow, 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 that your love would shine so brightly through this couple, Father. And we just declare over their children's children, they will rise up and call them blessed. Father, they would call this couple blessed, that they would trace the blessings of the Lord through this couple for generations to come, Father, that, wow, that your glory would be apparent upon them, that you would preserve them for your purpose, the reason you brought them together, Father. Wow. That your freedom would be with them, in Jesus' name. And we, He broke the bread and He gave it to them and said, this is my body broken for you. Receive the body of the Lord. Ha! And on the same night, he took the cup and said, this is the cup of the new covenant in my blood. It is this blood that sets you free to love. I pray as we receive it today that you will be filled afresh with the Spirit of God. Ha! Receive the cup of the new covenant. Revival life, wow! We just bless you in the name of Jesus. We pray His presence and power upon your life. We bless this marriage and we bless your lives. Hey, if you need prayer for anything, there's going to be some info in the chat. You can get a Zoom call. I called last week because I was having a hard time <laughs> sleeping. Got prophesied over, got a really good word. Get in on it. We love you. Have an amazing week. God bless you. See you later. Good job.